Listening to the Pre-Med Perspectives Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pre-Med Perspectives. I'm Lassia, and today I'm here with a very special guest. So our guest, her name is Samantha Sadler, and she's an M2 at Harvard Medical School. Samantha on TikTok is at Sadler Sammy, so S-A-D-L-E-R-S-A-M-M-I-E, and she showed up on my For You page a couple times, and I think this girl is absolutely hilarious. Like, let me tell you about this one TikTok she posted. It was, she she went to Duke for undergrad, and um, one of her followers was like, hey, tell me about the extracurriculars you did at Duke, and she responds with pictures of her literally just partying and having fun with her friends, and that's kind of the vibe I want to bring to the podcast today. It's the whole vibe of work hard but play harder so hello sammy welcome to the podcast today how are you doing hello thank you so much for having me you were so so sweet um when i got your message i was so excited to chat uh always love to talk with pre-meds and try to give kind of an abrasive but alternative perspective on what it's like to go to med school and how to quote unquote get to med school um so yeah i'm super excited to chat Awesome. So I first want to start off by just talking about kind of how you were throughout your undergrad. Um, Were you a very stressed pre-med, laid back pre-med, kind of lay down the foundation before Harvard Medical School? Yeah. Um, So that is a really good question. Um, I I was a very, um, I was definitely a very stressed pre-med, but I was also like a very non-pre-med pre-med. So I had one pre-med friend in undergrad, one, um, <laughs> one who I still talk to to this day. She's at Duke University for med school. Um, shout out to Katie Grant. I love you. Shout uh, out Katie. But she, her and I were like the sit in the back of the class, like, you know, mess around on our computers, but like still do very well in class kind of people. But we just really didn't associate with the toxicity of like that pre-med environment, especially at a place like Duke where right. we have the top, um, matriculation to med school rate um in the country so it was just it was like claws out like people messaging you like after tests because you left early and they wanted to know what you like answered for question two that did happen to me um (laughs) and so so I was definitely very stressed at the same time and was quite open about that I double majored in neuroscience and global health minored in chemistry um I took enough classes by my by the middle of my junior year to have graduated I actually got a senior honors my junior year, there were five of us because wow. they took enough classes where I was a, I was a freaking senior. Um, and I had like only finished like one of my majors, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I was, I was busy as hell. Um, but I was having a really, really great time at the same time. Yeah, no, I love that. And you know, those people who will come after you because you finished the test early and they're coming after you because you go out all the time, but still make senior honor. I think you called it. Tell me about how you kind of dealt with that intersectionality between having a social life and being pre-med at Duke. Well, I guess I, I should also clarify. I mean, I was, I was like very much so in the library a lot. I, I, have ADHD. I, 
I, I consider myself a slow learner. Um, I, I really do. I, I consider myself someone who really has to work very hard to learn what I think a good amount of people at Duke were able to learn much quicker than me. Yeah. So it was, I definitely went out a lot. Um, I actually didn't drink my first few years of college. I really think that that had something to do with me being able to get a lot of stuff done, still go out and still study. Good for but, you. <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, I, I, it was, it was hard to try and balance. I'm not going to say that it was easy. Um, but it, it, there certainly became a point where I realized I was just a lot happier being social and just really trying to explore that side of myself. You know, lots of growing happens in college. Don't need to go into that much detail about that. <laughs> we become different people by the end of our college careers. Right. Yeah. As I was learning what I enjoyed, what made me happy, I was, um, also trying to get to med school. So that, that balance was definitely challenging. And I think that a lot of people are trying to figure that out. A lot of people are trying to balance. There's certain things that are very attractive, like going out, having fun, being social. Um, you know, a, lot, a lot of people want, but you know, maybe that balance between academics and social is different for each person. Um, so I, whenever I, I, I felt like I didn't quite fit in with like the super hardcore going out crowd or with the super hardcore study crowd. Um, so I'm super grateful for people like Katie and um, my other, like some of my other friends who were non-pre-med, but worked hard, also played hard. Um, they really helped me feel more comfortable in that intersection. Definitely. And I think it takes a lot of time management. It takes a lot of self-awareness and it takes a lot of dedication to really get to a point where you feel comfortable and you feel truly balanced as a whole, uh, being someone who is studious and someone who is a socializer. But I know there's people out there that will come to class looking absolutely perfect, walk out of the exam, like setting the curve, will do every extracurricular under the sun, do research, do everything. And they literally look like they don't break a sweat. And I'm sure you have met a lot of people out there. And I know before the podcast, you talked talk, you talk to me a little bit about what you call these types of people. Tell the audience about that. Yeah, so I there was there's this uh, phrase that I was, I was sharing with you um, that was very commonly discussed at Duke. It's called effortless perfection, and it's this concept that people, um, you know, behind the scenes they're working really hard. They're super anxious, lots of you know, stress, anxiety, you know, trying struggling to stay afloat, but on the outside, really working hard to maintain this perfect. Um, self-image, not talking about the stresses, and also making other people feel like they are lesser than because they don't have their life as put together as as these people do. And um, it's very toxic, as you can imagine. Um, and oh. I think a lot, a lot of people know what that's like. A lot of people know that feeling of like, oh, well, this other person has everything put together, and they're telling me they have everything put together, and I don't. Um, so that's that effortless perfection concept. And I definitely knew people like that. And, and, um, I think that I, I really, really tried to be very authentic about how much I was struggling. I was like, I mean, I said no to lots of parties. Like I said no to lots of things. I, I mean, I was always in the library. I was telling you also before yeah. the library gave me a room to study in. I had my own freaking room 
because I was living in the library essentially <laughs> second semester senior year. I wrote a 250 page thesis. That's insane. It was absurd. There was one time I spent 36 hours in my chair. It was ridiculous. Oh my and God. So, I mean, but I'm not like hiding this stuff. I mean, it's, it's out there. And so I really tried to be like as authentic as possible like in in whatever I did in undergrad and I, I think having conversations with people I realized that that the doing so is very important so that other people especially don't feel like you're creating this impossible balance and I and I know what that feels like when other people try to push that on you and I hated that yeah no and I and I love that you just brought up this entire thing and whenever I meet people like this where I'm like oh my god they look like they have their life completely together what a loser I am whatever whatever I try to remind myself okay look no one is born knowing exactly how to do everything we all have to put in the hard work to get to that point granted there's some people who earlier in their life or you know earlier in the day put in that hard work before you so it might not exactly shine through through in the moment but leading up to that moment everyone has to take some sort of steps to get to the same place and I think that's something I try to remind myself a lot especially you know given the pre-med and medical school community it is so incredibly um, imposter syndrome inducing and just like you I try to be really authentic whether it's about my failures or whether it's about a time that I really thought I did better than I did. It's so important to remind each other that, Hey, I have messed up before I do this every night, which I hate that I do, but I do. And it's okay that you do too, because it's, I mean, it's, it's really just about lifting each other up. And I think sometimes uh, that's, that's what pre-meds and anyone that's really stressed out really needs to hear. So I'm curious how, you know, you went from Duke and you went directly to Harvard Medical School. There was no years in between. No, for you, better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever feel super, you know, speaking of imposter syndrome and all these different oh, things, yeah. did you ever feel really stressed out that you were, um, you know, on the younger end as at one of the most um, elite medical schools in the world? Literally right now. <laughs> that is my life. I like, I like had a midlife crisis at 20, how old, how old the fuck am I? At 23, I had a midlife crisis at 23. And I was like, I need to take a year off to sleep. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like burnout is so, so real. And I remember yeah. first year I was just like, I was having the hardest time studying and and I like I was so shocked to find that I couldn't study because I was like that is the only thing that I did for four years like yeah I, I was like I had so much self like looking back I'm like wow my self-discipline was incredible and then now I'm like I literally can't sit down to like read a chapter of a textbook this is how I feel I mean obviously I'm getting something done but like um yeah wow it, it is it, it has been really hard it is also something I would not change. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I would not take a year off if I could do it again. Yeah. And I, and the only reason why that is, is because I, I, there was nothing I wanted to do before medical school that I couldn't do during or after medical school right. or that I haven't, that I hadn't already started or, or done in some capacity to feel satisfied yeah. Um, so I knew that med school was the next step for me to be able to then have these further opportunities, you know, yeah. I, I needed med school to, to try what I wanted to next. And I still, I, 
maintain that that is true for me. Um, lots of my friends took multiple years off. One of my, one of my colleagues took 10 years off. Wow. Two different careers and has like children that I'm pretty sure are my age, <laughs> like Crazy. and crushing it. But yeah, I, I was very glad I went straight through overall, I think. <laughs> yeah, no. And you know, everyone's different. And I like to always point Absolutely. out that whether it's the path to medical school, law school, I don't know, accounting, investment, banking, whatever you want to do, um, that path is not linear. And that path is not the same for me, you or anyone listening. And yeah. I think especially I'd like to talk about gap years a lot, because there's people who are very pro gap year, there's people that are very anti gap year. And I like what you brought up the point that you didn't feel like you needed it. So you didn't do it. And I mean, I don't want to digress too much, but I, I feel like there's this stigma going around that if you don't take a gap year before medical school, you're absolutely screwed. And I feel like it's causing a lot of people to, you know, even though they pretty much have everything done to, you know, hit the pause button. Um, and, and, and I'm glad that it worked out to, out for you. What would you say to, to these people? That is a really great question. Um, I mean, I like can really, I don't know a lot of like research. I, the stats I can give are from, from my class, which I find super interesting. Yeah. So my class at Harvard Med School, so we're class of 2023. Um, so of the like what, 120 something of us, um, there's like a, there's a cohort of like 120 something of us essentially in this program that I'm in pathways. Mm-hmm. Um, and only like 25% of us or 20, 25% of us did not take a gap year. Yeah. Um, so 75% of our class took one or more gap years, which I do find very telling of something, which we can, well, I'll come back to in a second. Yeah. And then also like on a different scale. So there are 10 Duke students in my class. Wow. Crazy. That's um, crazy. Yeah. So it's Harvard, it's Harvard at like 25 or something. Boo. And then there's like <laughs> 10 of us, um, we're the next like big group. And of the 10 of us, two of us went straight through. Um, So that's just to highlight like what we talked about a little bit before this podcast. Um, Like I know that the the reason why a lot of schools definitely push for or encourage, I think is a better word, um, gap years for students is because there's a lot of emotional, intellectual, and just experiential development that can take place in time outside of the academic environment. I mean, that is just a true, that is just a true fact. Um, and is something that I think a lot of us, including myself, I'm thinking about, you know, moving forward, you know, maybe taking a year or I will be taking a year off to like really focus on research, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and that time I think really allows people to develop in ways that they may not have otherwise developed. And that development is often paralleled by your application. You have a more well-rounded application. You're typically going to do better in the application cycle. So right. it, it just, it makes sense that if you take gap years, your chances of getting into a more competitive medical school will go up if you use that time appropriately. Definitely. Uh, and, and I mm-hmm. continue, sorry. No, no, no. That's yeah. That, that's really my my main point. But that that being said, like I'm I'm here without taking a gap year, um, but I am the minority. Yeah. No. And I and I think that what's important to look at is, if you think about it, really, there are so many things that are non-negotiables before getting into med school, whether that be taking 
those plethora of prerequisites, whether it be, you know, doing certain activities, whether it be taking the MCAT. And fortunately or unfortunately, there is a time and kind of a sequential backing to all this, right? Like you have to take chem before you take OCHEM, before you take biochem, before you take the MCAT. And for a lot of people, I feel like not everyone knows that they want to be a doctor since they were freaking seven years old. So a lot of people, I feel like find that out, like maybe their second or third year of undergrad, maybe their second or third year of being a mother and having a different career, whatever that timeline looks for you. And it takes an amount of time to get those things done, find yourself, yada, yada, yada. So inherently it makes your application get pushed off and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And what you're trying to say, I think is, you know, you didn't think you needed that uh, extra bit of time. You graduate, you were done with your classes in three years. And, you know, that that's really different for everyone else though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, so I did, I did finish like my, my necessary class in three years. I didn't, I did take all four years to do my, um, to get my two majors and minor. Um, but I will say that another, like a, another thing that is true about me having taken no gap years is I gave up a lot in retrospect. There were certain, how do I say this? In retrospect, there were certain sacrifices that I made that I didn't need to make probably if I had decided to have taken a gap year. So, yeah. you know, saying no to like, to certain experiences, like I didn't go abroad during the school year. I went, and that's a big thing at Duke to take your second, your first semester junior year off and go study abroad. Yeah, uh, I didn't do that because I was studying for the MCAT and I had sepsis, but that's just a different story. But like, <laughs> I, but like there were certain things like big experiential things that I said no to, and I'm very okay with that. But I think if, if there are certain things you really want to do while you're an undergrad, I mean, like prioritize living in the fucking moment. Like if I can give, if any message can come across from like this podcast, if anyone is still listening to me, like ramble at this point, <laughs> like let's hang out but also like if I can tell you anything like just just live in the moment and like these high schoolers who are messaging me just you know wanting to know like hey they're freshmen in high school like wanting to know how to get to Harvard Med like I I have a hard time responding if I do choose to respond because you just gotta live and that's it's so 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 true that you're not you're gonna have a really really hard time moving forward if you cannot get everything out of the moment that you're in Um, and I think that that is incredibly true academically. So if taking a gap year allows you to do that, definitely take that gap year. Yeah, no, totally. And I kind of want to touch on that point of you saying freshman in high school, reaching out to you, (laughs) how do I get into Harvard medical school? And it, it makes me laugh because you know, a few years ago, that would have been me. But I think what what I've came to as like a pre-med myself who is not yet um, applying or in medical school is the fact that, you know, you go to Harvard Medical School. That's awesome. You're definitely someone, you know, regardless of where you go to medical school, regardless of whether you're a doctor or not, you, everyone has my respect. But obviously we, we, we tend to feel a kinship towards people that are in the positions that we potentially want to be in. But I think what I try to remind myself a lot of the time is, you know, you got into Harvard Medical School being you, right? It's doing everything you want to do. It was living in the moment. It was doing all those experiences that made you who you were and that came across the admissions committee and they offered you a but, you know, someone, it's always good to ask for advice. It's always good to ask general tips. But really, I think 
the message from from you that I'm getting is just be yourself and you will be fine and you will end up where you need to be because you know what you did to get into Harvard uh, Medical School isn't going to work for anyone else it's your story yeah I, I think that that is that is a very very true true statement and a very high high yield takeaway like from I think I, th- I think that's a very great way to summarize my point, but it, it's hard. That's a, also just a hard lesson to to hear, or a hard piece of advice to hear. I think as an as a pre med or as a potential applicant, um, because it doesn't give you like tangible steps to to right. make to get there. Right? It's very like, oh, just be yourself. But that's honestly the only way to like to do this. I was telling you earlier, I, every single person in my class is so unique the like diversity on a scale that I I didn't know was possible to do in a class of 120 it's diversity across ethnicity sexuality gender um background you know where you grew up it's it it things that you did in undergrad like just random like really really random niche things um like we always have like a principal ballet dancer in our classes like there seems to be like one or two in every class <laughs> y'all are incredible yeah. um and I I will say like one one like general tip though that that is actually actionable that can go along with that um important piece of advice I was very almost too honest <laughs> and authentic in my application um I I grew up in a very conservative background um before I went to Duke and over the course of the last four to, to six years, I've completely undone like my entire, like my political beliefs, my like, like large parts of my religious beliefs, my beliefs on a lot of very important social topics. And I talked about that to a, to a pretty large extent in my application, my like transition out of like this conservative, you know, very, uh, very different perspective of beliefs than I have now. I talked about that in interviews and obviously I, I was, it's, you know, careful in the sense that like I was very authentic, but I wasn't inappropriate in conversation. Right. right. But I, I mean, expressing that I was a different person than I was and I, than I was before, I, I think I did it in a way that worked in, in my favor because I think people saw that I was being very authentic. I wasn't yeah. pulling up some narrative. Um, and so I would just encourage you to like, to just live in the moment, be yourself, but then also tie that narrative together in your next steps. So like, if you're, if you're thinking about something right now, be very intentional about what you do thereafter to, you know, explore your questions and ideas and interests. I love that. I absolutely love that message. And I I like what you mean. It's, it's be yourself in a very authentic, but you know, still professional and respectable way. And I think a lot of times, I like how you said you weren't playing up any narrative, right? And it, it, it's the fact that the people you were selling your narrative to happen to be looking at a million applications a year and they can definitely sense out who is trying to be someone they're not and you know, who is someone being truly themselves. And I think really it, you talk about uh, dismantling, you know, these ideas and perceptions you had before. And we really not, not to come back to the idea of medicine, but as a physician, you know, you are treating such a wide population of patients, which requires our force of physicians to be so, so different and unique in their own ways to make sure we have that representation. And it's not just representation ethnically or gender wise, but it's definitely, um, representation and different opinions, talents, and beliefs. So I really love that you hit on that point. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Awesome. So if there is one piece of advice, I know you gave us a lot of good pieces of advice throughout this, but <laughs> if there's one piece of advice to uh, the people listening who happen to be applying this coming cycle, what would that be? Ooh, um, I honestly, I, I would say my, my biggest piece of advice for applicants going to the cycle is to show passion and personality. Those are the two words that, um, the two, I guess, yeah, the two words that I was told from one of my um, my colleagues above me who also went to HMS from Duke um, when I was applying to keep in mind and to really try and showcase and don't try to hide, I guess is another way to phrase it. So I'm, I'm pretty outgoing, I am, a bottle blonde. I'm from Dallas, Texas. I say y'all. I and I, I don't know. I like to. I like to smile in my interviews. I like to be very like bubbly and yeah. and I. I was so afraid of then trying to interview. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna be a completely different person. I was like, I have to buy a suit, which I did. I, I bought. <laughs> I bought the suit. I bought the suit, but I also wanted to be yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I. He was like. He was like. You know, just like really try and em- embody your passion and try to embody your personality, and that worked so well for me because it not only I think it not only showed and it not only conveyed my authenticity of my story as I was you know telling it in my interviews in person or um you know telling through my personal statement or my activities but it also just really emboldened me as I was talking and as I was writing I felt like I really had this time to be reflective and be very encompassing in my application because I wasn't afraid of holding back. I would absolutely encourage people to focus on your passion, your personality. I, I will never forget at one of my Harvard interviews, my um, interviewer cried when I was telling my story wow. and I didn't that I like have chill. Literally I have like chills thinking Thank about that much. because yeah. it was just a moment where like we were both like teary and I was like, wow, I, like all I did was just tell her what I cared about and it it clearly read in that moment um and I didn't have to make anything up it was just very very much me very real and passions that still continue to drive me today I I get chills listening to your story and I mean you can tell if you listen to any of our other podcasts you guys you can tell how exuberant Sam is here Sammy um you can I can totally see you being such a hoot at the interviews and I feel like that's totally something schools picked up on and I think you do a great job kind of balancing that fun bubbly blonde side of you um with, you know the more you know I am a very reflective person this is who I am and I mean that's a very very um you know, mature, it takes a lot of maturity to be able to do that. But I think, you know, you said there's been all this transformation through your life, and it's really shaped you to be the applicant, the person and the medical student and future doctor you are today. And really, I think um, that what requires that is really going out there and just experiencing so many different things. So um, definitely, definitely uh, love talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time. I know you are unbelievably busy but um I had so much fun talking to you today well I had so much fun being a part of this and, and as I was telling you earlier I mean I'm busy today for random reasons I have a date and I have a meeting for <laughs> so we're, we're busy but it's like it's like a little trashy busy we're, it's good um yeah but, I love that <laughs> but I really I really enjoyed talking with you and I and I'm super excited to like have 
broken into this TikTok sphere because it's a yeah. platform for me to share a little bit more about these experiences I alluded to as we were talking today. No, you guys have to follow yes. on TikTok. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> so when I, it's not, it's not those TikToks where people are standing there being like, um, you know, those videos are like done, da, 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 done. And they like put like random facts up on the screen about how to get into <laughs> yeah. med school. It's none of that. It's literally just funny stuff. And it like makes me laugh every time I see it. So so can you plug your TikTok for everyone yes. to follow you? Yes, it's I'm on Instagram and on TikTok. I'm at Sadler, S-A-D-L-E-R, Sammy, S-A-M-M-I-E. Follow me. I, I'm just trying to humanize medicine. Just come and hang out with me. Uh, we're having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, no, awesome. I know I had a lot of fun with you today. And to our listeners, sure. I hope you I hope you felt that that fun energy come between me and Sammy today. And thank <laughs> you guys so much for listening. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. I'll see you guys next Friday. Bye. Bye, y'all.